From Schwartz Media, I'm Ange McCormack. This is 7am. Rupert Murdoch is stepping down from his empire and giving it to his son, Lachlan. Only a few years ago, it would have been an unthinkable succession plan. The father and son were estranged, but with those deep wounds now healed, Rupert is ready to hand his life's work over. So, what's Lachlan's vision for the business, and how will his views influence the media in Australia? Today, Lachlan Murdoch biographer Paddy Manning on why Rupert chose Lachlan and what the empire will look like under the family's eldest son. It's Wednesday, September 27th. So, Paddy, Rupert Murdoch stepped down from his worldwide media empire late last week. And I want to talk about the way Rupert has shaped the media we all consume. Can you tell me about the scale of his influence? How is the media different today because of Rupert Murdoch? Well, uh, that's a huge question because nobody over a 70-year career has had more influence on the global news media than than Rupert Murdoch. And obviously there's been tremendous change in that period. I think there's elements of Rupert Murdoch's contribution to media that are clearly date back to his father. So Sir Keith Murdoch was a powerful journalist who set up the first national media chain in Australia under the rubric of the Herald and Weekly Times, which brought up mastheads all around the country. And the Murdoch media under Sir Keith faced accusations that it was uh, propaganda. Uh, It would clearly pick sides and it was also populist. And so I think those things you can still see all the way through to Fox News. Clearly it's picked a side and clearly uh, it's populist. And the ultimate expression of that is its support for Donald Trump. In perhaps the most stunning political story in American history, the folks rejected corruption and unfair federal policies and delivered vast power to a maverick political novice who is promising to treat working Americans with respect. But then there are also, I think, there are some characteristics of the Murdoch media under Rupert that are different to to his father. I think he is much more anti-establishment. Rupert began his career uh, on the death of his father at the Adelaide News, and that was a second-tier uh, newspaper in a you know provincial capital and it was an outsider to the establishment and Rupert Murdoch took on the establishment. Do, do you like the feeling of power you have as a newspaper proprietor of being able to sort of formulate policies for a large number of newspapers in every state of Australia? Well there's only one honest answer to that of course and that's yes. And he took that to London where he took on the British media by buying the news of the world and the sun uh, and ultimately the times as well. Many people are afraid, principally because they can't believe that you won't interfere and alter the character of the newspapers you've bought, the Sunday Times and the Times. What do you say to that? Well, I certainly didn't buy them to change them. And uh... Uh, and then you took that to America uh, by setting up a fourth uh, television network, Fox, and by launching Fox News. Good morning. Welcome to Fox News Channel. This is Fox News Now. As well as buying the New York Post and the Wall Street Journal and the other print assets that he's got there. So, yeah, I think that anti-establishment character of Rupert Murdoch 
as a media proprietor is something that is that is distinctively his own and I think that's carried through his career. So let's talk about the successor of this empire, Lachlan Murdoch. He's Rupert's oldest son, but for a long time he and Rupert were estranged. How have they mended the relationship to the point that Rupert Murdoch is comfortable to hand over control of his whole empire just to him? Well, it's a great question, Ange, because Rupert described as the worst decision of his life uh, was his decision to back his own executives, particularly Fox News chief um, Roger Ailes uh, and his then chief operating officer Peter Chernin, uh, in disputes with Lachlan, which caused Lachlan to quit uh, the empire altogether in 2005. Uh, and he spent a decade in Australia doing his own thing. And Rupert had to really coax Lachlan to return to the fold. And actually, funnily enough, there's a very uncannily similar kind of dialogue in the Succession series, the last um, series, uh, where Logan Roy sits down with um, Roman and says, I need you to do this for me. Uh, That is, run ATN, the Fox News equivalent. I mean, you really want me at ATN? More, Romans. More. I need you. And... That is almost exactly verbatim the kind of conversation that ultimately persuaded Lachlan Murdoch to rejoin the family fold, the family business, uh, in 2014, when Rupert said, I need you to do this for me. And Lachlan's view was, for the first time he'd heard from his father, um, that he wasn't going to be a bestower of opportunities. He wasn't proposing to buy Lachlan's business. He was asking him for help. And if you think back to where Rupert was in 2014, he'd been through the phone hacking crisis. He'd been through a painful divorce with uh, Wendy Deng. And Lachlan felt at that point that his father was at a moment of vulnerability and there was no way he could refuse him. And so Lachlan does rejoin the fold at that point. And by the time that Rupert makes a decision, a famously uh, brilliant trademark bit of Murdoch brilliance, Uh, to sell the Fox film and TV entertainment business to Disney, uh, it's clear that Lachlan's the only one, he's the last man standing within the family in this sense, and he's the one that takes over as CEO of the new Fox Corporation when it's um, finally spun out in 2019. With that, I'll turn the call over to Lachlan. Thanks, Joe. Uh, Good afternoon, uh, and thank you all for joining us today on Fox Corporation. So the announcement that Rupert will retire in some ways is just a it's a formalization of what has been the de facto situation. Lachlan has been running this business now uh, for years. And how much can we expect Rupert to still be involved in his business despite, you know, stepping down? I'm wondering what level of influence he might still hold or is he really handing over the reins to Lachlan? Uh, I think he is handing over the reins to Lachlan. Um and as I wrote in my biography of Lachlan, the successor, which was came out at the end of last year, in early 2022, there was a meeting of all of the both Fox, New, the Fox and News Corp boards and the senior leadership of both companies all together at Lachlan's mansion. And the people I spoke to who were there described that as a real baton passing moment. Uh, that was a moment where they came together for a strategy day based on an agenda that was developed by Lachlan at which Rupert hardly spoke, and yet the people present were struck by, right, okay, really, uh, this is Lachlan's show, and I missed the moment where uh, Rupert stepped back, but this really feels like it. 
And Rupert has been progressively handing over to Lachlan for years now. And, you know, in the evidence discovered in the Dominion case, we, we did see that at a moment of crisis, for example, Rupert would be closely engaged. But he, in the big picture, has been stepping back. And I think this is the Chairman Emeritus role that is described in the announcement uh, will, of course, enable him to get in touch with whoever he wants within the Empire. And Lachlan and Rupert speak every day anyway. They are constantly in contact. But that's kind of up to Rupert, I guess. And as far as investors and executives and the board are concerned, it's now Lachlan running the show. You know, ultimately, Rupert still does have uh, the power to control how the Murdoch Family Trust votes. So uh, he's not out of the picture and he can't be, even if he wanted to be. You know, he, he will still have influence as the most uh, powerful shareholder of, the, of, the, of both corporations but it will be Lachlan who is accountable um, to the board and shareholders for the performance of both businesses. And so it will be Lachlan who has yet the final say. After the break, what's Lachlan's vision for the Murdoch empire? For Sloane Crosley, writing about the loss of a friend may not have provided catharsis, but it did allow for the possibility of a better ending. Like you have this amazing meal that's this friendship, and then you have a really, 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 really bad dessert with shards of glass in it. And then like the book is like, you know, those little chunks of chocolate that come with the bill. I'm Michael Williams. Join me for this week's episode of Read This as I talk to Sloane Crosley about her latest Grief is for People. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. As a a 7am listener, you're already familiar with many of the journalists who work for The Saturday Paper. For a limited time, subscribe to Australia's leading independent news source, The Saturday Paper, and you'll receive The Saturday Paper's stainless steel coffee cup, made in collaboration with Fresco, for free. Subscribe from just $2.10 a week. Simply visit thesaturdaypaper.com.au forward slash offer. Patty, I want to know a bit more about Lachlan Murdoch and who he is and how he operates in the business. How different is he in his approach to his father? Well, I think he's very different. And everyone focuses on where he sits on a left-right axis relative to Rupert. Uh, But Lachlan is not a political animal the same way. He is not aspiring to be a kingmaker the same way. Uh, He's not aspiring to be the interventionist, all-powerful kind of editor-in-chief figure that Rupert has been throughout his career. Lachlan is focused on the business. He sees his role as leading the business and focusing on the bottom line and on strategy for the longer term. Uh, He does not think it's his role to intervene on a daily or weekly basis in editorial or programming decisions that are going to be made around the empire. And he is very reserved when it comes to sharing his own personal opinions, whether it's on politics or other, you know, whatever else. Uh, Because his view is that if he is to start putting out his own opinions, they'll be parroted around the empire and you'll have in the end a uniformity, a kind of groupthink, which is what he hates. So he keeps his views to himself. So, yeah, that's where he's focused on the bottom line completely. Um, I think his, he would describe his politics as socially liberal and economically conservative, and he's all, Lachlan has always talked about his politics that way. But when you look, for example, at him appointing Tony Abbott to the 
um, board of Fox Corporation. I mean, here is an arch conservative politician. I mean, you can't think of if you're trying to underline or assert your conservative credentials, uh, including on social issues. Um, that's what Lachlan has just done with that appointment. It's hard to reconcile that with the small L uh, liberal on social issues, which um, Lachlan, you know, sometimes describes himself as. And Paddy, Rupert Murdoch clearly valued news and valued the influence it gave him. But we know news media is really struggling to make money. So for someone like Lachlan, who is so business-minded and focused on that bottom line, do you think there comes a time when he would sell off some of the news business? You know, is he attached to owning a bunch of Australian newspapers in the same way that his father was? Well, I don't think that that's Lachlan's plan or intention. Obviously, I can't read his mind. I don't have a crystal ball. But I think that he is trying to put in place a strategy that will serve Fox and News for the long term. Part of that strategy is uh, putting the two arms of the empire back together, arguing that scale um, you know, has its own economies and therefore will help support those businesses. But also he's trying to find growth businesses that will underpin the legacy mastheads. And he's had some success doing that on the newspaper side of the business. So the deal that Lachlan is most proud of was an early deal to buy into realestate.com.au, the um, classified advertising website in property. Uh, And uh, that is now a $20 billion asset, which um, undoubtedly is the most valuable uh, asset in the portfolio of News Corporation is its majority share of REA and which underpins, which helps support the legacy newspaper businesses as they transition to a digital future. And the Wall Street Journal is, is you know, blazing the path there. I think he's, he's focused on trying to position the businesses for the long term um, and a sale would come up at the time of Rupert's death, not before. And Paddy, it, it's I guess it's hard to imagine any other media owner having this level of influence ever. You know, the way the media operates now is just so different to how it was when Murdoch began. So is Rupert Murdoch the last media mogul? I don't think you'll see another again like Rupert. I mean, at the peak of News Corporation, they reached something like three quarters of the world's population. Uh through an empire that spanned five continents. You know, this was, I think, in the early 2000s, the first global news media empire, and Rupert sat atop it. Famously, um, the New York Times described the Iraq War as Mr Murdoch's War. When he gave an interview to, I think it was the Australian Bulletin, where he said the best thing about the invasion of Iraq would be $20 a barrel for oil. All of his newspapers around the world backed the invasion of Iraq, with the one exception, actually, of the Hobart Mercury, which came out with a uh, editorial um, saying it was opposed to the invasion, but then quickly changed its tune. That was a that was an example of Rupert Murdoch's global influence and lasting legacy at that point of time. I think since then you have seen something of a a series of crises that have beset the empire, and ultimately it's a much smaller beast now than it was back in the 2000s. So the phone hacking scandal, you know, the sale to Disney, 
and now the Dominion case out of the um, coverage of the 2020 election and the Donald Trump's big lie, I think a series of things have diminished, you know, the Murdoch media empire globally. So I just don't think you're ever going to see out of the traditional media, news media industries, anything like a, a mogul uh, as powerful as, as Rupert Murdoch was through his career. Patty, it's such a fascinating story and fascinating family. I feel like we could be talking for so much longer, but thankfully you are working on a project that is going to really get into all the details about this family and this succession planning and, and who Rupert was. Can you tell me a bit more about what you're working on? Yeah, Ange, for the last um, three, four months, I've been working uh, with a fantastic team on a really special podcast series on the life and legacy of Rupert Murdoch, uh, which will come out in November. And we're really trying to provide a thorough, rigorous, uh, definitive account you know, the story of Rupert Murdoch told through key episodes in his career uh, and really uh, picking apart uh, what drives him, what uh, impact he's had uh, around the world and how will he be remembered. And, uh, and yeah, I can't wait until it sees the light of day. And we can't wait to listen and it's going to be out via Schwartz Media here on 7am as well. Thank you so much, Paddy, for your time today. And thanks. Sydney Dance Company explodes on stage with Momenta. This world premiere by acclaimed choreographer Raphael Bonicella is unmissable contemporary dance. Strictly limited season from the 28th of May to the 8th of June. Book now at sydneydancecompany.com. Also in the news today, Daniel Andrews is stepping down as Premier of Victoria. Daniel Andrews said being Premier for nine years had been the honour and privilege of his life, but said it would be wrong to stay in the role when he started contemplating life after politics. Today is his last day in office and his last day as the member for Mulgrave. And leading no campaigner Warren Mundine has claimed that the Uluru Statement from the Heart is a symbolic declaration of war against modern Australia during a speech at the National Press Club. Mundine claimed Indigenous people were doing just fine. In reality, 11 of the 19 closing the gap targets are not on track. I'm Ange McCormack. This is 7am. We'll be back again tomorrow.